Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach and host of this great community resource called Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you're looking for a way to give back to the community, this is a place you want to settle in for the next hour or so, so you can get information and ideas about how you can do just that. You'll learn about a number of different nonprofits in our area and what they're doing to make an impact, and then you can decide if you want to be a part of what they're doing. You can find one that resonates with your values, your passion, your goals, and then get involved somehow so you can experience the blessing of giving back. The topic of discussion today is about kids and the parents who love them. First, we're going to talk with a woman who works with kids with cancer, and we'll learn what she does to help them dream. And then we'll talk with a woman who very sadly experienced the death of her 10-month-old son due to the common cold virus and how she turned her pain into a passion for helping other parents dealing with loss. My first guest today is Lauren Kerwick, president and founder of Designing Dreams. Welcome to the show today, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share Designing Dreams with the community. And we're excited to hear because it's super exciting. Uh, I know the first time I met you, I, I had no idea such an organization existed. And it's great to see the different things that you're doing in the community. And again, that's exactly why we do this show, because we want people to be aware of all these great nonprofits and the, the great work that they're doing. So Start out by telling us how the idea of Designing Dreams came about. Sure. So Designing Dreams, um, it started when I was in college, um, but really my interest in pediatric oncology started at the age of about seven years old when I first read a book about a little girl with cancer. After finishing the book, I remember when people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I immediately would say a pediatric oncologist. At um, seven years old? At you seven can't years even, old. And, and <laughs> my, mom, get that out. <laughs> my mom told me what that kind of doctor was called. And so I told everybody that that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And wow. um, I've really never looked back. I, When I got to college, I looked around for volunteer opportunities immediately in the hospital setting. Um, and I just couldn't find anything that I felt fulfilled doing. There wasn't a lot of opportunities at the hospital to be very hands-on with patients. And I finally, sophomore year, after searching for a year, I decided, well, you know what? If I can't find something, I might as well start something. Well, there you go. (laughs) A young entrepreneurial mind and spirit. That's great. So I, after that, I, once I'm set on something, I'm, uh, pretty set on it and pretty determined. Yes. Yes. And Um, consulted friends about it. What should we do? Would you guys be interested in starting something with me? And my parents came to visit me in the cities one weekend and my, I was talking to my parents about it. My mom happens to be a decorator and she said, you know what, why don't we redesign bedrooms for kids with cancer? And I immediately said designing dreams. And Mm. that night went back with my friends and we had some wine and I said, Hey, you guys, um, what do you think? Should we form a board? And become a student group here at the University of Minnesota and they were immediately all in with me and we started out as a small student group. We had weekly meetings with other students and 
had bake sales and um, other small fundraisers where we just raised a couple hundred dollars at a time. And it took us a whole year to raise enough for our first room. And um, in 2013, we completed a room for a little girl named Jessie. And after that reveal, we just said, wow, this is something This is something special. And we decided this wasn't something we wanted to give up when mm. we were done with college. So we have f- filed as an official 501c3. And we've done 19 rooms since then and have seen the impact that we've been able to make. And we just... We want to keep doing this for more and more kids. Well, and we talk about this, uh, the idea on this show about everybody can do something. I mean, for goodness sakes, you started as a young girl at the age of seven, understanding what you wanted to do, what your dream was, and you weren't going to give up on that dream. And now you're really providing dreams for other other young kids, which is wonderful. So mom is involved. You as a med student, is it safe to say that you're the left brain of the organization and mom is the right brain? Or are you equally involved in the creative side as well? I would say that I bring a little bit of both to the table. So originally when she presented the idea of redesigning bedrooms for kids with cancer, I was so excited because I've always enjoyed the aspect of art and design. I grew up um, loving art because my mom went to art school and I was drawing and that's something that I still do to this day to um, provide some relief from the left <laughs> brain um, of and the constant school. studying. Yes, yes, exactly. So, and didn't you do something with a with a book? Weren't yeah. you the illustrator for a book? Yes. Um, the year that I was about to start med school, a author came to me and said, "Hey, I want to write a book about a little girl with cancer and her special dog." And I said. I can try. <laughs> I've never remotely drawn something like that. I prefer to stick to charcoal and black and white photos, very realistic. And I sent him some samples and he loved them. And so oh. I think it's a 37 page children's book. And wow, <laughs> so, so lots you can of add that later. to your list of <laughs> yeah. accomplishments yeah. illustrator, doctor in training, <laughs> you know, st- organizer and founder of uh, Designing Dreams. That's, that's great. You're, you're a nice mentor for, uh, for young kids. Um, but tell us about how the process works. You know, when, when does mom come in the mix? How do you, how do you reach out to these kids? So our first room we found through word of mouth, actually in my hometown of Beaverdam, Wisconsin. And she went back to her psychologist, all the pediatric oncology patients at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin have psychologists that they see. She showed her the pictures and her psychologist said, hey, if they ever need any any recommendations of patients, we can consult families and see if that's something that they would be interested in. Almost half of our patients that we've worked with have come from Children's Hospital of Wisconsin and about the other half have come through word of mouth over the years. So we've been getting more and more applications every year, which is very exciting. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Now you said you did 19. I mean, what did you start with? You said you, it took you over a year, I think you said to raise funds to do one room, Mm -hmm. but now you're, you know, how many rooms have you done total so far? Total, yeah, it's total rooms 19 so far. We're working on a couple more right now, and um, we our goal for this year is six rooms. So we typically start off um, by – each room takes about two months to plan, so my mom's um, going to be starting to plan multiple at the same time. 
and we start off meeting with the families, getting all of their interests um, from both the children and the parents. And from there on, it's a complete surprise. And my mom um, does all the planning. And about a month later is when we start the process of actually redesigning the room, which we're typically there for a full week before the reveal. Okay. So I like how you say that. The reveal. Yes, the big know? reveal. So, That's our favorite day. So the child knows they're getting the room. They know they're getting the room. Because, because they, you have discussed with them what their dreams are, you know, what exactly. they like, you know, so you can, um, you know, make the room look like that. Mm-hmm. And then you work with the parents mm-hmm. and then the child doesn't see it once you start yes. and then they come back. A week later, you said roughly. Yes, a week later for the big reveal. Mm-hmm. And well, what what have you seen as far as impact? Um, it's been amazing. So the moment the child opens the door to their room for the first time, it's something that I can't even describe. The it's unique to each child too. Their personality. They. I'd love to be a fly on the yeah, wall watching yes. that. I bet it's so exciting. Yes. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, Some explore around very meticulously and analyze every single angle and some fall on the ground screaming happy, happy (laughs) tears. And it's, it's the best feeling and it really truly makes an impact in not only the child's life, but the family's life and the well-being overall. Mm, it's wonderful. Um, well, we're going to come back in a little bit to learn more uh, about designing dreams. But um, according to the American Cancer Society, cancer is the second leading cause of death in children ages 1 to 14. Accidents are actually number one. A little over 11,000 children in the United States under the age of 15 will be diagnosed with cancer in 2019. And just under 1,200 children are expected to die from it this year alone. Although childhood cancer rates have been rising slightly for the past few decades, more than 80% now survive five years or more, up from 58% in the mid-70s because of major treatment advances in recent decades. And wouldn't it be great to get involved with an organization like Designing Dreams that has such a great impact on these kids? Stay tuned to hear more about what Designing Dreams is in need of to make more of an impact in the community. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Lauren Kerwick from Designing Dreams. So hopefully there are people listening that want to get involved somehow with the great work that you're doing and how you're impacting the lives of these kids, some who will make a full recovery and others, sadly, that will not. You know, no one is guaranteed tomorrow, right? So anything that any of us can do today to make a difference for someone is so, so worthwhile. And again, if a little seven-year-old young lady can determine what it is she wants to do, I'm sure all of us can uh, figure out a way to have some kind of impact. But um, tell us, Lauren, uh, what what makes these rooms possible? How can you do what you do? Yeah, so of course, a lot of it um, comes from our amazing donors. Funding is so important to make all of these rooms possible for these kids. Um, we are a completely volunteer-run organization, so almost 100% of proceeds go directly towards a room. And volunteers are truly what makes these rooms possible. My mom has volunteered all of her time um, to donate 
or donated all of her time for every room. And then we have an amazing board who volunteers their time. They go above and beyond um, helping to fundraise, helping with rooms, and helping find people like electricians, painters, and um, those sorts of volunteers to help us to make these rooms possible. So since we're a completely volunteer-run organization, we have been really trying to expand our volunteer base, and with that, we're making committees to really take us to the next level. And it's an opportunity for people in the community to get involved and really feel like they're part of building something. So these are committees that we need help starting from scratch, and um, it's a great way to give your time back and um, really making a difference in these children's lives. These families appreciate it so much, and it really helps pull them out of the rut of just trying to make it through the day of doctor's appointments and um, really helps them look have something to look forward to in the future. Oh, I'm sure. And, and again, talking about how everybody can do something, you know, you don't have a lot of time. You yeah. know, with your schedule, I'm sure that, that um, you know, you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to to doing only this. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. that's the, not the only thing on your plate. So you really, really need people to step up and figure out a way that they can help. You know, when we talk about time, talents, and resources, again, everybody can give something, right? Um, so, so what about corporate sponsorships? You know, we talk in at Ellen Becker about different ways that we as an organization can reach out and we have done many uh, volunteer days. Um, so if there's an organization out there that's looking to sponsor somehow, do you deal with corporate sponsorships? Yes, we actually recently had a corporate sponsor, um, Badger Meter sponsored a room in the area and it was so much fun. They had workers come every day. They sent some of their marketing teams to help with pictures and videos, and they sent workers to help paint their electricians. Um, it was so much fun to get other people involved, too, and they really got to know the little girl that we were doing a room for, Valerie, and they were there for the big reveal. So it was a great way for getting the whole company involved, really, other than just giving money. They also gave us volunteers, and it was it was fun, and we hope that other companies would be willing to do the same and partner with us. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, my neighbor actually, and uh, she has a position where she gets involved with um, uh, kids uh, donating their time uh, for great causes. And she said, you know, Jill, it's, it's wonderful to give. You know, we don't ever downplay that. It's wonderful to, to give monetarily. Uh, and your time. But if you can be involved with the recipients of the service that you're providing, um, that just puts, it, it gives you a different perspective, you know? So, um, you know, if you're, if you're actually feeding uh, the homeless, for example, um, some of the things that I did with my kids, they, it was so much, had so much more of an impact than them just giving money to an organization to provide food. That's exactly. important for sure, you know, but for somebody to get involved. So if you're saying that these corporations come in and they can be there for the reveal, you know, so they can see the face of this young child that is receiving this awesome bedroom, I think that's, that's great. You know, so again, if you have a, a, a corporate, uh, uh, affiliation or, you know, there's an organization that's looking to have an impact in some way, then uh, they can uh, get a hold of Lauren. Now, I'm sure every room 
has a, a special meaning attached to it. And you've got probably many stories, but is there one in particular that you'd want to share with us? Yeah, actually, the one, the bedroom that probably had the most impact on all of us was our first bedroom for a little girl named Jessie from my hometown. And um, there was truly no words to explain that day. We, during the reveal, when she opened the door for the first time, she covered her eyes and um, hugged her mom and she said, this feels like a dream. Mm. And it was, it was amazing. And we've stayed so close with their entire family. We see them every year at the benefit. Um, we would stop by and visit Jesse anytime we were in town. And this room really was special to them. And since then, Jesse passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. And this, this room um, is helpful in remembering her. So her oh. family has this room now to remember Jesse by, and they love spending time in there. And yeah. so what we do goes beyond just a new bedroom. It's, it's so much more. Oh, I'm sure. Wow. Well, if, if I ask you what your greatest need is, you know, we, we talked about a couple of different things here. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that you can only do things as great as the the funding supports. Um, But is that your greatest need or or do you have other things that you would like to uh, let the listening audience be aware of? Yeah, of course. So funding always helps. Um, You're welcome to donate online or send um, donations via email. But another chance to get involved is just being a volunteer for us and directly impacting these kids with your time. So I would say that's one of our our greatest needs and a chance to be a part of our organization. Okay. So if somebody listening out there would like to get involved somehow, do you have like, uh, what's your website? Do you have a Facebook page? What's the best way for somebody to reach out to you at Designing Dreams? Yeah. So our website, um, uh, designingdreamsusa.com, there's a contact us form and all, all communications is directly sent to me through there. And we also have a Facebook where we stay up to date with pictures and what we're up to lately, new events. And that's you can find that under designingdreamsusa.com on there as well. Now, that's for somebody that wants to volunteer. So what if somebody knows of a child that they want to be the recipient of your services? Do you, do you strictly get those from your connection at the hospital or do you take uh, applications or suggestions for that as well? There's an application form on our website that we have all families fill out. So um, that can be found under nominate a child and or know a candidate. And if you have any troubles finding that, um, just feel free to reach out to me on our website or Facebook as well. And I'll get back to you with that information. Okay. All right. Well, again, wonderful things that you're doing at Designing Dreams. Um, kudos to you and kudos for you knowing what direction you wanted to head in as a, at a young age. I think <laughs> that's you. great and probably pretty rare. So good, good job there. So great organization. Um, reach out to Lauren at Designing Dreams at either their website uh, or their Facebook page and, and get involved somehow and make, make a difference in the life of a, of a child suffering from cancer. Uh, so we, we've heard about Jesse's room and the impact that it has had on Lauren. Um, 
you may have a personal experience of your own, though, with someone who has lost a child to cancer. You know, oftentimes people struggle with what to say or what to do. You know, what, what, what do we say to a friend or a family member who has gone through a situation like this? Stay tuned to talk with a woman who has a personal tie to Jessie and her family. And then we're going to learn what she did to provide some support and care. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and my next guest today is Amanda Harwig, president and founder of Bose Heavenly Clubhouse. Thank you for being here today, Amanda. Thank you so much for having us. We learned in the previous segment that about 1,200 children will die this year alone from cancer. But what about other pediatric fatalities? Statistics show that more children die in the first year of life than in all other years of childhood. And Amanda, this very sadly was the case with your second child, Bo. Can you tell us what happened? That's correct. Um, So Bo William Hartwick was born on October 7, 2014. He was healthy, happy, perfect. Um, In his short little 10 months of life, he got to experience kissing a giraffe (laughs) at a um, local zoo. Uh, He got to ride on his papa's boat and catch some fish with dad and papa and mom. And um, we love him very much. Uh, So the day happened like any other day. Um, we were actually preparing, I was over preparing for his first birthday party. Okay. Uh, so I actually sent out all of the invitations and everything for his first birthday party. Um, but yeah, so September 3rd, 2015, uh, came, we, we put him to bed like it was a normal night. You know, he was crawling around happy, smiling, getting in the mischief and, Oh, I could tell you stories about him. <laughs> oh. um, and you do, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You continue to tell your story. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So my husband um, put him to bed that night. It, it's like a little ritual, or it was at that point, um, to hold him up like the Lion King. And my husband would sing, nah, so that yeah, <laughs> I hear him yeah. all the way from upstairs. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, he went to bed smiling, and we had a, a monitor that we could see him throughout the night, and... I just noticed he hadn't moved uh, throughout the night into the morning. Uh, my husband went to work and, you know, that thought's always in your head, what if, you know, and you just kind of, you put it off to the wayside because that's never going to happen to you. That's right. never going to be me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And until it was, and my husband left for work. I was getting our then five-year-old daughter up um, because it was her second day of kindergarten. Uh, so she was in the bathroom getting dressed and I crept into his room, um, left the lights off because I wanted to sneak up and tickle him. Um, but when I touched his body, he was cold and he was already gone. I was additionally, my husband and I, we were 18 weeks pregnant at the time. So experiencing the grief of Bo dying and just such a weird dynamic of two things that are so polar opposites to be forced together. It's yeah. it's crazy. So I cannot, I can remember, uh, I can remember 
you know, giving him CPR in the middle of his bedroom and, and yelling at the top of my lungs to, to have Ari, our five-year-old daughter, go back in the bathroom because I didn't want her to see yeah. what he looked like. That wasn't him. Yeah. So yeah. it's traumatic. And, you know, throughout that time period, my husband and I, you know, Bo died on a holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, mm. So September 4th, yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, was his four-year anniversary, mm. um, and it was extremely. It's it was extremely hard to find help in the Dodge County community, just because there wasn't something like this. There wasn't a support group that we could go to. Uh, so we were ending up we were traveling to Fond du Lac community for a while, um, but being pregnant and in the winter months, it kind of not endangered us, but it made us a little fearful to drive. Yeah. When, you know, everybody is from Wisconsin. They know the winter roads. Right, but. right. Well, I'm curious, as I'm sure uh, the listeners are, um, if Bo passed away from the common cold virus. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you first told me the story, I was taken aback it's because shocking. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Exactly. You know? Um, can you share a little bit about that? Because I'm sure that's so important for parents to know. Yeah. Yeah. So we, when we initially got the news, um, the coroner, we first met the coroner at the hospital that Bo was pronounced deceased at. Um, and we talked to him and initially he's like, you can't touch him. You can't kiss him anymore. Oh my goodness. And we just looked at each other and we're like, no, that can't be, (laughs) you can't tell us not to kiss our baby. Yeah. Um, I was still, I think at that moment, you're just showered with grief and an immense pain. Um, so when they came back, it was about three months later. Um, and it, it shocked us because he, he had a fever the night before about 99 degrees. Uh, so it was just nothing outrageous and he was an early teether. So he had his back molars, one year molars coming in. So that's what we chalked it up as we gave him Tylenol and it was a normal night for us. Um, so when the coroner actually told us that it was the adenovirus, we had no idea what that was. Um, so he uh, had actually explained that Bo had an upper respiratory infection. So the adenovirus is the common cold. So it can be anything from a sniffle, sniffle, um, pink eye, like conjunctivitis. It, it can be anything. Oh um, my goodness. So it was really hard to believe because immediately as a mom or as a dad, you're like, I should have taken him to the doctor. I should have, I could have, you sh- I should have, would have, yeah. could have, yes, you know, exactly. And, you know, we can't, we can't do that to ourselves. Exactly. I mean, we will drive ourselves crazy. Absolutely. And, you know, I think every parent says that at some point in exactly. time, if I would have, mm-hmm. should I have done this? What if I would have done that? But that's not the route to go, nope. you know, and, and it's what just I, an endless hole is yeah, what it is. Yeah. And what I find so wonderful about meeting you is that you have this disposition of a very calm, a very confident woman, even though you suffered such pain, Absolutely. um, because you know that this isn't the end, this right? Is right. Yeah. Um, what type of support then do you offer families of child loss? So we try to, we offer an immense amount of support in various different ways. Um, but to limit it down to kind of three sections, I would say, um, 
you know, the first is financial support. So I'm the one who gets on the phone with the funeral directors when a child dies 18 years old or younger okay. um, and basically just mails them a check, finds out what the actual expense is, um, and then we mail them a check. And that's really done not incognito, but just not in front of the parents. We don't need them to see that side of it. It's sure. just when they're buried with this amount of grief, they don't need to know about financial yeah. issues. And that's yeah. just one stress that just can be checked off the list. And um, so then we also have uh, support groups. So the um, the support groups are led by my husband and I, and we have a good amount of them the second and fourth uh, Monday of every month at the Higher Grounds Coffee Shop in Beaver Dam. Um, and then additionally, our last, you know, of our three missions, our core missions, uh, is support care packages. You know, we send stuff out immediately. So that, that consists of Bibles, books from other lost authors, um, journals, coloring books, uh, <laughs> stress balls, anything, you yeah. name it. Obviously, tissues are in there. Mm-hmm. We deliver something to them. So something we wish we would have had in those immediately fragile moments. That's kind of what we try to give to other parents. Yeah. And, and you're in a situation where you've, I hate to trivialize it, but you kind of like, you've been there, done that, you know, you've suffered that great loss. You, you know what you wish you would have had at that time. And I think that's turning it around. Exactly. Exactly. I think that gives a little bit of hope too, is just, saying, Hey, we have gotten through this. This has happened to us. There is hope. You can go past this. You're not going to ever get over your child dying, but you're going to get through it and we're going to help you. Yeah. And I've heard it described as a scab or wound, you know, the, it heals to a certain extent, but that scab can be ripped off at any time. And then you're right back where you were when the day that it happened. Um, so, so how does someone get a hold of you? Do they just call you? Do they just reach out and say, you know, I need help? Absolutely. So we have primarily word of mouth is a big thing. Um, but honestly I get text messages and calls all the time. So if you are a parent that is suffering right now, um, you can pick up your phone. We are open 24 hours all the time. We make ourselves completely available. Mm. And Uh, what is your number? It's 262-388-4290. Four two nine zero. That's correct, and that's two six two. Yep. Okay. Well, you have a very special tie to Jesse and her family. Absolutely. Can you, before we go to break, you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, Jesse passed away. Um, it, you know, designing dreams took care of her bedroom, and unfortunately, she passed away in two thousand sixteen. So she was sixteen years old, um, mm-hmm. and. It was kind of an interesting way on how we got a hold of her. It was actually through another lost mom that was visiting her son in the cemetery and saw Jesse's headstone. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's wow. it's it's pretty crazy. And you've made a, a very big impact, like you said, on, on her family, and, and we can talk about that more in the next segment. But um, So how is it that Bo's Heavenly Clubhouse supports these families in need? Uh, we're going to talk about that when we return. So stay tuned to find out more. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm chatting with Amanda Hartwig from Bose Heavenly Clubhouse. So, Amanda, we know that you, or any other nonprofit for that matter, can only provide support to the extent that your dollars or funding will take you, right? So, how do you raise funds for these families then, like sure. Jesse's? Sure. We Well, we actually fundraise. Um, so fundraising is option A. Option B is sponsorships. So the big uh, business sponsorships or the small business sponsorships, uh, it doesn't matter if it's $100, 250 500 Everything um, makes a difference, everything, right? Everything. Every little yeah. thing. So the $250 is what we essentially send to funeral homes. That's kind of okay. the going rate for Bose Heavenly Clubhouse. That's what our board of directors all agreed on. Okay. Um, so donating that $250, we look at it, look at it as an option and an opportunity to help one family that's really suffering and oh, yeah. that needs financial help. Exactly. So. And like you said, you don't want them to be even having to deal with that. Exactly. At this time. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what are the funds used for so, other than, yeah. other than the uh, funeral expenses? So we purchase uh, items for our care packages and the Bibles that we are fortunate enough to have found the American Bible society. They donate, uh, Bibles to us being a charity organization. Very so that's, nice. That's huge. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, small authors and, and child loss authors, that's a lot of money. Um, we just spent uh, $1,500 on one book. That's a hundred copies. Okay. Um, that's quite a bit, but it's must be a fantastic book. It's called, you are the mother of all mothers. And oh. it's seriously, it, you just open it. You know, and I've read it. I've been there. You know, I've needed to open it and just find that encouragement. And some of the pages say it's not your fault. You yeah. know, this is this is not something, this is out of your control. Yeah. You know, and I think that it's so important to breathe hope into the parents that we help. Um, I mean, God calls us to do it. Yeah. And yeah. this is just a ministry that we hadn't, it wasn't even on our radar. Mm -hmm. um, but we're thankful that, God has brought us here and God is going to continue to grow us. Yeah. And he's using, uh, well, the opportunity to, Absolutely. to have an impact in a big way. Yeah. Uh, nothing, no pain is ever for naught, right? I exactly. Mean, God uses it for, yeah. for good. I definitely, I believe that Bo had his numbers already set, you know, okay. in the book of life. So he had a mission here. He completed that mission and he went home. Mm. And that's just, mm. it's, it's helped me immensely to look at it that way. Then, whereas a lot of parents say, I lost my child. Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't lose them. You know exactly where they are. Yes. And we have been given responsibility over yes. them for a certain amount of time, yep. uh, of which is not defined by us, right? Exactly. Um, it's a wonderful way to, uh, to think about that. Um, I'm just curious. Tell me how Bo's Heavenly Clubhouse came about, the name. Oh, you know what? So Bo loved Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny, but the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse part, you know, our family would do the hot dog dance and all these goofy things because that's just what he loved. Yeah. Uh, so the Clubhouse part actually honestly plays a part in, in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Okay. Okay. Um, Good to know. I yes. like that. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit about fundraisers before, um, 
so so you don't have the the uh, golf outing, the nope. the typical golf outing or the gala, but you have a number of other fundraisers throughout the year. Um, do you just support then families in Dodge County? You said you were from the Beaver Dam area. Yep. Yeah. So we're in Dodge County, um, but we do not only support um, Dodge County parents. Uh, so we nationwide. So okay. my whole thing is. You cannot stop because you are not in the city of Beaver Dam or you're not in the county of Dodge. Um, mm. These parents need help and they're hanging by a string. We were yeah. there. We know. So borders are not something that we deal with. We go okay. nationwide and we blow through every every okay. state. That's um, wonderful. Yes, because absolutely. the need is everywhere, exactly. like you said. And so... It's wonderful that you make yourselves available. I bet that's yes. that can be exhausting. That is very exhausting. Yes, yeah. but child loss does not discriminate. It goes everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that's what we do. No. Well, how many families have you helped then since Bose Heavenly Clubhouse was founded? So Bose was founded in September of 2016, and since our inauguration, um, we have sent out over 200 care packages alone. Now, these are all throughout the country. Remember, we've been in Texas, New York, Nevada, everywhere. That's um, wonderful. And it's it's crazy just to think that we started with the idea of Bo's Heavenly Clubhouse. Just, hey, you know what? We should really start a support group around our local area. And, and then, you know, lo and behold, there's, you know, 30 people that come to that support group. But it goes even further than that. And I think it's just, it's important to remember that what we're called to do here is to love. We are called here. Like that's our purpose. That's our primary yeah. pur- purpose is yeah. to love. Um, and so we just love all of our parents through their pain. And, you know, oftentimes parents call and they just sit on the other line and cry. Yeah. And I, you just have to listen to them, you know. And if you're wondering what to say to a parent, um, if you have never gone through it, people can say some really crazy stuff. I uh, imagine. But it, it's not out of, it's just. Malicious intent. It's what's called innocent yeah. ignorance. Sure. Is okay. What it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but honestly, it's, I'm so sorry. Those are the words that no matter what, they're okay. That's okay to say. You know, it's it's not okay to to try to minimize it or to say move on because that's not that's not being it's that's not having humility right right and everybody's place or time to move on is different than the next and I don't think it's anybody's right or place to tell someone else when they should move on and I don't think it's necessarily moving on I think it's more of like a a growing you grow with it you know it's kind of like a little rock that you carry at one time it's a boulder and it's uncarryable but this little rock turns into a pebble and you're able to put it in your pocket mm. it doesn't ever leave you don't move on from it you don't forget that your child has died yeah. but you grow with it and right. there's there's reasons for it so try to find those reasons and try to help other people that are suffering right take that pain that you yourself has experienced and turn it around for yeah. the good and I noticed that right away when I when we first met and how you you take that. Um, I mean, there were tissues, uh, many right. tissues when we first met, but you were saying, um, just like you said before, that there was a purpose. That's right. Um, in the pain, and and you've turned it around. So I I can't tell you how how um, 
I've been inspired by uh, our discussions and yeah. what you do and and what you do for other people uh, in their time of need. I think that's wonderful. Thank so, you so much. You are welcome. Um, how can the community support you then? Uh, like what is your greatest need, oh. obviously, over and above maybe the fundraising piece? We have the greatest needs of funding. I'm just going to be blunt about sure. it because okay. this is this is what it comes down to. You know, sure. our bank account can only go as far as the money in it. Yeah. Um, so in order to continue helping these families and, and not just new families, but the, the families that have been coming to our support groups and, you know, we still shower them with love and, and their rainbow babies, which are children that are born after the death of their sibling. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So they're called rainbow babies. They're called rainbow babies. Okay. Yep, in a form of God's promise. So oh, that's wonderful. That awesome? I yeah, love that. I know. And I wish I could take credit for it, but I cannot. Oh, <laughs> love that. Um, but yeah, so we shower, you know, we take donations of uh, clothes, you know, that are new with tags or gently used and we ship them off to the parents that have expectant rainbow babies and you know we just want to bless them more and just shower them with love because they have been through the unimaginable and it is so important that we just kind of rally together because we are not humans we we were not designed to be alone Mm -hmm. you know we were designed to be together and rally together yes that's that's the way to support each other edify build up all those things it takes a village right absolutely (laughs) wow well let's reiterate how someone can reach out for that love and care and support that someone that's gone through the same experience the life experience can offer like you so how would they reach out one more time before we we let you go here well i first want to say that if you if you um that are listening have experienced the death of your child. I am so very, very sorry because I understand the immense pain that you're feeling. And I'm so sorry if you are interested in helping us further or getting involved or needing help yourself. Do not wait. The biggest thing is reaching out and that's the smallest amount of courage. It just, you just jump, you just do it. So you call and I will answer. And you Amanda text me. will be there. Yes. And yeah. I will answer. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I'd like to thank my guest today, uh, Amanda Hartwig from Bose Heavenly Clubhouse and Lauren Kerwick from Designing Dreams. Thank you both for all you do for children suffering from cancer and the parents who may have gone through the unthinkable and lost a child. Thank you for being with us today and sharing your mission and your passion. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, or if you would like to be considered as a guest for our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. There are a few ways to listen to our show. You can tune in on the AM dial at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or you can download the iHeartRadio app or ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to our podcast, or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to hear from some other great people who are sharing how their nonprofit is making a difference in our community and having a great impact. And then if their message resonates with you, do something about it. Everybody can do something. Share your talents and your treasures with someone, and I guarantee you will be blessed because of it. Go out and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great Sunday.